You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry. And before we jump into this week's interview, let's just talk about our sponsors really quickly. You know and love them, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for small businesses and entrepreneurs. You can join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every day. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. Do you need a new domain for your next project? Check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. Grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code JUNEBUG and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday. Of course, today is Monday. And they've got great bundle promotions every month. Actually, going on right now, today is the last day that you can pick up Creative Market's new photography bundle. And that's 72 really useful and practical photo presets, add-ons for Lightroom, Photoshop, etc. You can get all of that for only $39. So go ahead, check that out at creativemarket.com. SitePoint is an amazing resource for web designers and web developers, and now they've teamed up with A Book Apart to become even better. When you join Learnable, SitePoint's online learning platform, you'll have access to the entire library of A Book Apart books. And these are really good books. I mean, there's stuff on responsive design, web typography, client relations, SaaS, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Go to learnable.com, sign up today for the annual membership. That's when you'll get access to all those books. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So since last week, we're still holding steady at five patrons for a combined total of $23 a month now. Again, of course, thanks to all of you who have already pledged and shown your support for the show. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some great perks like early access to future episodes or a monthly Google Hangout with me and other Revision Path supporters, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make it happen. Pledge levels start at just $1. All right, now let's get on with this week's interview. So this week I talked with Alpha Ba. Alpha's the founder of Z News Africa in New York City. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, uh, Maurice. Thanks for having me. My name is Alpha Ba. I'm an Android engineer by training, and I'm the founder also of uh, Z News Africa. So talk to me about Z News Africa. What was your inspiration behind creating that? So at Z News Africa, we're trying to create a media platform, right, that aspire to be the platform for people interested in news pertaining to Africa specifically. So the idea, how did the idea come about? I'm originally from Guinea, right? So and having been in this country for so long, I used to struggle just to get information about what's going on in Guinea and let alone Africa. So the reliable quote unquote sources were like the CNN type and whatnot. So I used to jump around websites left and right every day just to figure out what's going on back home or is there any interesting news in Africa. And pretty much I got tired of jumping through websites and it happened that, you know, I was introduced to Android. So I just built a simple app just to aggregate all you know, sites that were interested to me on my phone. So I started using it personally. And then uh, 
some of my friends saw me use it. They were like, where did you get that? And then I started giving them. And all of a sudden, they started asking me, hey, you should do this, you should do that. And I was like, you know what? Maybe there's a lot of people that actually need this stuff. Because I was still shocked that this thing does not exist. So I went and started doing my research. We still couldn't find anything. So I was like, you know what? At this point, we need to build something. So I released uh, the first beta version, you know, I think about months, uh, a year or so ago. And then as, you know, people started requesting, requesting, and I, I figured, you know what, at this point, you know, let's just take this to the next level. So I did my first release in November, and then I decided I'm going to build up a team, build a team, and then now we just released actually the latest version of the Android this weekend. Since November, we've had, I don't know, like we have about 4,000 downloads now on okay. Android. So we launched also our blog. And so over there on the black side, we will be able to publish content about our own people, you know, our own stories, telling our own stories, covering all different aspects of Africa. What's been the kind of the feedback from the app so far? Well, I mean, it's been great. I mean, we have a pretty great review rate. I mean, we had 4.4, I believe star rating okay. so the the one thing we get all the time is like we should add more countries we are more countries and which is what we working on <laughs> and we also get a lot of requests for the ios version so we're working on those two right now what countries are currently aggregated in the app so right now you have uh, guinea you have ghana you have nigeria you have uh, senegal you have cameroon you have burkina faso I don't know, I mentioned Ghana, South Africa, okay. Kenya. So a total of nine countries. But we also have the general most known African news site. So like you will definitely get uh, news pertaining to Africa across. But then, you know, right now you, you only have those nine that you can customize. You know, we're working on covering the whole spectrum of Africa as we grow. What's the most requested country? You mean that's now on the app right now? Well, no, the one that people want on the app. I'm looking at the at the notes now. I see, like you said, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Guinea, Kenya, Nigeria, Senegal, South Africa. Yeah. So, I mean, most of those were actually added because, you know, users actually requested them. So, mm-hmm. right now we have other, we have had a lot of requests on, um, what is it, like Togo, Liberia, you know, and all of the, you know, I, I interact a lot with my users. So... I pretty much tend to satisfy the need. So, but for this release, you know, it was important for us, you know, because we we had to like take it to a whole nother level, you know, increase the backend side of the, the the app, and also like in terms of the look and feel of the app itself, you know, we, we we had to like upgrade the code to material design. So, that's one of the reasons why we did not add most countries. But you know, like we were, we're still working on adding more countries within the next couple of months. Okay. Let's bring it back a little bit. Like you said, you grew up in Guinea. You're originally from Guinea. Yeah. What was it like growing up there? I mean, it depends, right? So, like, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I did not struggle as much as most people do. You know, I mean, I had a dad that was a teacher. So, he gave me, he made sure, like, education was one of the most important things for us. So, and then, you know, it was pretty much a nice life in terms of, like, being exposed to different things, you know, your skills. I went to a private school where, you know, I did a lot of stuff. I was ex- exposed to, I don't know, like, sports, mm-hmm. astronomies and stuff like that. So, you know, pretty wide exposure. Are you from the capital in Guinea? Yeah, I grew up in the capital. 
Okay, all right. And so from there, you came here to the States. How old were you when you came here to the States? I was 19. Okay. So it was interesting, right? So because, you know, I'm the first child, so and uh. my dad did not want me to come here because <laughs> every, time, every time he came here, he got the impression that, like, I guess he visited some of the bad neighborhoods, so he got the impression that, you know, if I come here, I've turned up in certain ways, but, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when I, I remember when I came here, he was like... You know, I know you're not going to survive for three months. And for me, that was a challenge. <laughs> so <laughs> so you came here when you were 19. And where did you start? Did you start at Columbia? No. So, I mean, I took the unconventional way. So actually now looking back, so I came right before 9-11, right? So I came, I think, the, around the 4th or something. And then oh, okay. 9-11 happened. So mm-hmm. now looking back. You know, I, I say this to my friends. I'm like, that should have been a sign for me that it's gonna be, we're gonna have a tough road around this country. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it was a struggle. So I started school. Then you know, realized that you have to pay tuitions and all that other stuff. So I was forced to drop out. Right. So I dropped out, worked, you know, side jobs. You know, saved up some money and then went back around 2006, I believe. Or- yeah, went back in 2006, went to a community college, and then from there, transferred to Columbia. So I didn't take the the conventional approach, quote-unquote, in terms of, you know, graduating. Okay. What did that, I guess, doing it that unconventional way, what did that really teach you? Like, what skills did that teach you? A lot. So perseverance, mm-hmm. right? So know that when you plan stuff, it probably won't happen the way you planned it. Right. But you have to believe in, you know, that everything happens for a reason and also believe that if you stay the course, eventually you will get to that uh, what they call mountaintop. Right. So but you, you can't just give up early on. Right. Because for me, for instance, if you look at it across, it took me about 10 years and, you know, I, I had pretty much every single reason for to just quit. But that's why I came here is to get a good education, you know, and so. I put it in my mind, and for me, it was no matter what, I have to get that education. So for me, it was just staying the course. And you learn also more about yourself, about your identity, you know, what you clearly want to do with life, and which you probably won't get when you just come straight and you don't have that much of a life experience. Mm-hmm. So, What was your time like at Columbia? It was great. but So it's interesting, too, because even there... I had to work to pay my tuition, so it wasn't, I wasn't like the, again, you know, since I'm not from here originally, so I did not benefit from most of the stuff, right? So, like, it, it was great, you know, mind-opening, you know, learn a lot, you meet some of the smartest people you can find, you know, in one place. You also learn a lot about your own people, you know, in terms of how it is that we're missing out on all these type of great educations and what can you do long term to improve this type of to give kids access to this type of educations right so now some of your tech work has been like for some pretty high profile brands and companies you've worked with associated press you work with the new york stock exchange i think you're currently working with major league baseball is that right yeah what did you learn kind of working with big teams and big brands like that well i mean there's a lot of things there's a lot of takeaways you learn that there's a lot like in terms of tech right now, you understand that pretty much tech runs the world, you know. So I work for the stock exchange, which is pretty much where everything happens, right? So, like, you pretty much get a sense of how important technology is in in terms of today's world. 
you also learn that as far as your your own people, you pretty much have no chance if you don't really invest in technology. Like if we don't take technology seriously, like you have no shot at anything. Yeah. Is this why it's important for you to kind of do a lot of the sort of the pro Guinea work and pro Guinea, really, really pro Africa projects that you do? Absolutely. You know, for me at this point, so the internet gave us a, like at this point, right? So like in some ways we have to be creative, but in our own terms, right? And you have the, the technology is there. We just need to use it, right? And then benefit from it, right? So like even data. So for instance, if when I was here through Z News, I read every day about deals happening in Africa, you know, people making millions here, you know what I'm saying? So like, and this is something you don't really, you're not even exposed to, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, all you read here, when you read here stuff, you think, you always think like people are dying, there's wars, or you know what I'm saying? And then when you look at that, you're like, wow, actually people are doing work, right? Now, if you flip it, right, in Africa, is that people don't probably have access to data that much, but people have smartphones now. Like, the growth rate of smartphones is insane. So, ultimately, for me, if they can have access to information, they're aware of what's going on around the world, they can use that information and use their own creative minds to solve problems pertaining to themselves, right, or to their people. So, I just want to make sure I understand this. So, you're saying, like, when you were... In Guinea, you were saying that the perception of kind of what it's like in Africa is similar to what I think Americans think of when they think about Africa, like it's this war-torn kind of country. Is that right? No, it's the flip side. So it's two components, right? So you have us living here, right, being informed about what's going on there. And then the reverse side of it is people there don't have access to enough information. I got you. Okay. All right. All right. So you say that, that smartphone usage is like blowing up right now over in Africa. Well, it's, I guess it's blowing up also there in Guinea, and you do a lot of Android work. Mm-hmm. What kind of draws you to Android over iOS? Is it the adoption rate? Is that one big reason? So it's two things, right? So like by training, I'm an Android developer. That's one. So that made it an easy choice. Probably I'm biased. But looking at the metrics as well, So and then the economic landscape, you know, in terms of the likelihood of someone affording a, an iPhone versus you know, an Android phone, you're likely more to have someone with an Android than an iOS. So that was a no-brainer for me. So those two components pretty much drove my decision to be Android first. So for people that are listening to this that kind of want to get into, you know, Android development, Mm -hmm. how would they start? Like, what platform should they look at? What languages should they look at? So, I mean, the first thing you do, you, you need to obviously learn how to code, but the, the core of it is Java, right? So like you have to be, you know, Java ins and outs. And once you do that, then you just head on to the, the Android, you know, they have a, the, the developer website pretty much has an extensive list of information and tutorials that you can just follow. And in fact, even these online courses like Coursera currently is running multiple series on, on Android development. So in today's world, like if you just want to learn, you can learn. Like you have all these free classes online that you can take advantage of. What have been kind of some of the particular high points of your career so far? When I was at the Stock Exchange, right? So like it was a bit different because, you know, I was working on market data stuff. But personally, I knew I wanted to do something that has to Africa some way or somehow, right? So and then so like for me, it was a make. How do I do that? So I had to pretty much 
make the decision, you know what, I need to get to a job where I can get the skills that I need, right? So for me, that was like one of the biggest, recognizing that and actually taking that decision was really important for me personally. But as far as career, I don't know yet. I don't think I've reached the high point. Okay. I know the feeling. I know what that's like. Sometimes you're just kind of working from job to job and you don't necessarily see it mm-hmm. right offhand. But hindsight is twenty twenty. I think you get a little bit further into the future, you'll look back and they'll stand out more then than they probably do right now. Yeah. Why is it so important? And you may have touched on this a little bit earlier, but why is it so important for... And I'll just just be flat out plain here. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important for black creatives to create things for black people? Because so I give you an example, right? So like think of I mean, I, if you use the the Zenius Africa app, right? So personally, right, I'm uh, bilingual, so I speak French and English. Okay. So if you look at the app right now, the way I build the app is based on my own perception of things, right? So like if you look at the app, yes, you can customize, right? based on countries or whatnot, but you still have also French and English embedded in it, right? So, but why is that? That's pretty much because that's my own perception of things, right? And that's just, I'm bilingual, so for me that makes perfect sense. But maybe for someone that's not, that doesn't speak French or English, they don't really want to have that option, right? So what I mean by that is like, I build it a certain way, so, and my users are constrained to adapt to that, right? So, and if you look at all the other tech platforms that have been created, whether it's Facebook and all the others, right? So it's probably not necessarily a race thing, but it's like whoever built it, built it according to their own perception of things, right? So like, and as a result, us people of color, we forced to adapt to that instead of having mm-hmm. our own stuff, right? So like, that's one component. And even in terms of like telling our own stories, like if, I mean, you look at Facebook, you know, you read all the time that people are frustrated because the media is not covering something a certain way, the way they want it. Well, guess what? If you're not telling your own story, you let someone else tell it, that's what's going to happen. So that's why for me, it's important for us as techies, especially in today's world, to build the platforms and then let people that have the skills and, you know, the talent to tell those stories, tell them through our own mediums and hopefully, you know, balance, give a sense of balance in terms of information. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of this. I mean, it's attributed to being an African proverb, which is that until the story of the hunt is told by the lion, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Exactly. That, that's perfect. So I feel like it, yeah, it, it feeds right into that. Yeah. And like you said, you've gotten good feedback from it, mm-hmm. so that's always a good thing. And and people, the people that you are making the app for, realize the importance of it. Yeah. Do you get any kind of outside detractors? People that want to know, well, why are you focusing on Africa? Yeah, I mean, I get that. And also, the other thing you get is that since people don't really understand the African market, frankly, nobody does. Like that's the other thing too. Is like, so you get this. You know, this is they. They so people try to compare it to things they're familiar with or try to dismiss it, which is fine. I, I, that just fuels me, right? So, because, I mean, I'm a black man. So, for me, there's nothing conventional, right? So, anything that's conventional is weird to me anyway. So, I just follow. I know the numbers are there. I mean, you don't have to look somewhere. If you're not in Africa, you then you don't know where you're supposed to be, right? I mean, if you look at, I mean, even between now and I think 2017, 
I think roughly around 300 million smartphones are going to be available in Africa. That's just numbers. Like, and then in top, on top of that, uh, you know, you're talking about how many millions of people out there and pretty much there's nobody building products for them. So, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer in terms of whether it's hopefully financially makes money or rich, if I can reach all Africans, my goal is set. Yeah, I was about to ask you, like, what is the African market? I mean, I think that number of 300 million smartphones, and I'd say probably the majority of that is Android, right? Because Apple, I don't think Apple really has great penetration throughout Africa like Android does. I think Apple has more penetration in terms of the African diaspora. So that's the other thing, too. So, like, there's a lot of, okay. if you think about it, there's a lot of Africans across the world, right? But again, right. goes back to the same thing. Nobody's catering to us. Think about this. We have iPhone apps, right? But again, who's building apps that are, you know, focused on us? Nobody, right? So they tell you it's narrow-minded, but you have to start somewhere and then build it out. What kind of apps would you like to see? For us? Just apps that yeah. solve problems, man. Like, I've heard of, like, this app, like, I think, I, I wonder if, if I didn't even read that from, I mean, listen to that from your podcast. It was about barbers, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was, God, I think that was the episode that I did with Jeffrey Mainu. And he's in Ghana. He's in Accra. And he was mentioning something, I think, about a barber. Yeah, so, so think, like of, think of that, right? So, like, it's, think about even the, our people's, the hair industry. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number, but I'm sure it's $1 billion plus dollars industry, right? So, but who's producing what on that, right? So, like, Again, even, you know, our sisters, how do they get their hair braided? Like, how do their hair done? There's nothing. So, like, you have right now a company called Stylesheet, I believe, that's doing that. But it's a platform that's a lot more extended. But, again, if you look at the metrics, I'm sure if someone builds a product that pertains to us with a billion-dollar industry, you can get a cut of that, you know. And it's financially sound. If you can do that, (laughs) I don't think you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So... That's one component. And there's, we, we face a lot of problems, right? And then not only that, we also skilled. We have the skills to build stuff, right? Right. Just got to believe that we can build it, you know, and then build quality products. And we're seeing more and more of that now, these apps that are coming out of necessity. For example, of course, I don't think anyone here in the States can really escape what's been going on with protests as it relates to, like, the senseless killings of Americans by police. Mm-hmm police brutality, things like that. And so, like, even now, like, you're starting to see apps that will help people kind of police, not police the police, but will help people to kind of know what their rights are. They can videotape someone or they can tape someone, like, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. They're coming up with these types of apps and things to help them in these situations that are coming up because clearly there's no other help that's out there and nobody else, no one in Silicon Valley is thinking, how do I disrupt police brutality? You know, how do I disrupt the senseless killing of black people across the country by the police? Yeah, and again, you know, this is even general, right? So, like, usually most things, most ideas, I'm sure, like, most of these products that come out, whether it is even Facebook, I'm sure, it's like, it's a problem you face daily, right? So, and then you figure, you know what, how about I just solve it? In my case, it was like, every day I want to read news, I want to know what's going on back home, and then I can't find it. So, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm jumping left and right. And I just got tired of that. And then I yeah. I decided I'm going to build stuff. So, I mean, and in fact, that's the thing. Sometimes we look way beyond where we're supposed to. It's just like your daily life. If you look at your daily life, what you go through daily, you know, and the problems you face, you just got to be aware. If you put your mind to it, 
you'll kind of get a sense. In your case yourself, what's the main reason of you creating this space? Of creating Revision Path? Yeah. Yeah, well, so my main thing of, of creating Revision Path is that I am a black designer. I knew a lot of black designers, and I just felt like we were not getting our shine. We were not getting the same amount. I won't even say the same amount. We were not getting any recognition as it relates to any type of design media, whether that's blogs, podcasts, videos, conferences, magazines, what have you. We're not getting that. And we're out here. But if you're only looking at these particular media and you're wondering, well, where are black designers? Where are Hispanic designers? Where are Asian designers? If you're only looking at that media and don't see yourself, Mm -hmm. you might think, well, maybe this is not for me because the people that are out there like doing this stuff for real, none of them look like me. None of them have my skin color, they don't have my hair texture, you know, things like that. And it might sound a little superficial, but I mean, that's an important kind of visual cue, I think, to make when you're looking to kind of break into a space that you might not be super familiar with. I mean, there are people that I've interviewed and talked with who clearly have a huge passion for what they do. They've made this their life's work. And I think it's important to showcase that on a platform that is about them, that's for them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is why I love, like I said, when I went through your, your site, I was like, wow, this is like, I'm even humble and honored to be on this part of it. You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah. But the thing is, you're not exposed to this. Even in your space, when you're working, you probably, how many people you'll see that look like you? Not that many. So you'll be like, well, you know what? I mean, I mean, I live in Atlanta, uh-huh. so that's... <laughs> yeah, so in your case, maybe not. But I'm talking about in tech generally, right? So like... Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. If you look at the employment ratio, it's just not there. So sometimes, even maybe for a kid that's looking for, okay, should I even go? Is it worth it? You know, if it's important for them to see that there are actually people like them that are doing this stuff and at the exactly. higher level too, so... Because what will happen is I will get people who are in, still in school, like art students and things like that, mm-hmm. that maybe were like doing research for a project and they stumbled across Revision Path and they're like, I hit the gold mine. I can't believe you talked <laughs> to all these people. And because really before Revision Path and Revision Path is not like the, the only platform to do this. There's been several other platforms before me, mm-hmm. Color Zine, Black Design News Network, Inspiring Black Designers. Just the ones I can name off the top of my head, African-American graphic designers. So there's been other platforms out there that are, you know, kind of doing this. Maybe not in the same format mm-hmm. where, where you're actually talking to and hearing from them. It might just be like a text interview or some pictures or something like that. But I think it's important to to keep it consistent so more people just see it and know it, you know, and now that Revision Path has been around for two plus years, like, it's there, like, it's a part of the landscape. Yeah, definitely. I'm hooked to it now. It's like, I work, I listen to it now. I'm trying to catch up since, but... I'll... Which episode are you on? <laughs> well, I'm going backwards, so it's like... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm All right. around 60-something now. Okay, cool. What advice would you give to someone that wants to, that's like just starting out in technology? What would you tell them? So if you're just starting out, don't be afraid to try. So like the one, my takeaway from computer science is this, you pretty much train to adapt, right? So like know that it's like probably what you've learned in school, you probably won't really use it, right? Or only maybe the base of it that you'll use, but there's other components that will, will come into play, you know? And as a techie also, communication is really important. 
you know, we overlook that a lot. So, but that's really important for you career-wise, you know. Finding a mentor also is pretty much important early on so that you can at least you have someone to bounce off ideas, you know, whether it is that at work, what you're trying to do, how you're growing and stuff like that. And that's pretty cool. Who have been some of your mentors? I have um, a personal mentor who's actually exposed me to mobile early on when I was interning. And then he's been mentoring me since then. And we stay in touch all the time. And I remember, you know, even when I was at the stock exchange, he was like, dude, <laughs> he told me like long ago, he's like, I know you're not going to last there. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, because I know you. It was like, yeah, but it's the experience, you know. I mean, nothing against the company, you know. I learned a lot of things there, you know. But I guess he knew me more. He knew kind of like something that I didn't know about myself, I guess. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, and uh, so, but that, he's been helpful, like you know. And then you have other folks, you know, that that give you feedback here and there. But it's it's pretty much important to have someone that you know look after you. What's in the future for Z News Africa? I know you said, you know, adding new countries and now you've got this website that's sort of a companion to the app. But what are some other kind of things you want to pull off with Z News in the future? So this is a media tech company, right? So like we want to leverage technology and uh, provide news content. So like you, you mentioned the, the Z News uh, website. So eventually we'll, that will live in, inside the app. So eventually we want to publish our own content, right? So in addition to providing news across. So that's what's on the horizon. You know, we're working, we're starting to work on the iOS version. will be available mm-hmm. soon. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a media space. Hopefully, within the next few years, we will be, we will have done a, a great job, whereas people will use our platform as we am, intended them to do. Yeah, I remember this might have been maybe about four or five years ago, there was something that was kind of similar to what you were doing. It was called Afrigator, mm-hmm. where it was like an, uh, trying to aggregate a bunch of different like social media and online sources about stuff in Africa. They eventually ended up shutting down because I think for funding reasons. Is, is funding something that is, well, I think for every, every creator it's important, but are there like safeguards and things that you're taking into account to keep Z News funded so it can keep going on in the future? Yeah, so one of it is like I'm an engineer myself. So on the tech side, you know, I can handle some of it, right? So obviously if you have fundings and stuff, it, it makes you get reach your goal quicker, right? But again, you know, I build a team in a way that we complement each other in some ways, right? So mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, it's built to last. Again, we're not starting this. I, when I decided that I'm taking this to a next level, we're not starting this to be just to disappear in the next one year or whatnot. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started in the first place. We want to be here when it's all said and done. We're still really here, right? So, and we want to be the voice or the platform where you can read about us, read about Africa in some ways, like from our own people's perspective or anybody interested in African, right? So... Have you thought about maybe like pitching it in, in local, not hackathons, but like local startup communities or startup competitions or things like that, just to kind of get the word out about it? Yeah, so that's kind of, we, we just started this. So like one of the, the things, again, like, you know, building a team takes a bit of time, right? So you need to like get a feel and sense of what's needed where 
plug those things in. And then, so that's kind of the next phase is like, you know, getting get, getting people to know the, the product. Because I'm sure at this point, like like I tell people, it's like if you're African or interested in anything pertaining to Africa and you have an Android phone, you know about Z News, you'll download it. That's just what it is. Because, I mean, you probably won't find, you'll find competition there, but that focus, Africa focus as us, you probably won't find that many, you know, and that offer the, the thing in French and English too. So that's one component. But in terms of like growth, now we're starting to reach the media and then strategize in a way like exactly where we, we can go to hackathons and whatnot. What keeps you motivated and inspired to kind of continue on with this? A lot of things. I mean, one, I understand the importance of having access to information, right? Like even even news, like so, like, if you look at Africa, sometimes there's only, like, one channel that people listen to. And so some government will just use that channel to drive the conversation. So if you give people options, at least they can use their own judgments, right? So that keeps me motivated. And then the other thing is, like, even feedback from users. Like, you know, users will write you stuff, like, telling you, like, this is, like, the best they've ever, you know, they, they, they've ever used, you know, and excellent. That motivates you as well. But yeah, ultimately, it's the goal. The end goal is, I hope people have one a platform where they can read about their own according to their own, and then also have access to African content, like African news, what's going on in Africa in general, not just from one site, like let's say not just from CNN, not to not CNN, but like they have their own agenda when they want to tell a story, and pretty much every t- storyteller has an agenda, but. It's good if we can have our own person also telling the story of what's happening in the continent. Are you where you wanted to be kind of at this stage of your life? Do you feel like you still have more to accomplish? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about, so like I told you, like, right, so it's like I did not take the conventional approach, right? So that drives me So because sometimes you feel like you're playing catch up, right? So that drives me a lot. So I'm well. If to answer your question, I'm not where I want to be. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. What's the local tech scene like? Do you go to meetups or things like that? Are there ways that you kind of get involved in the local community? Yeah. Well, there's tech meetups. So, but I usually go to like the high level stuff. Like, they're not necessarily black focus. Although, you know, mm-hmm. I participate. I go to like Silicon Harlem. I don't know if you heard of them. You know, they're trying to do stuff relating to Harlem businesses and they run by two brothers, all the brothers that founded it. So, you know, I go to those things, you know, but sometimes if you have to build products, you don't have that much time to attend events. When I get a chance, I do attend. If you weren't a programmer, if you weren't doing this development work, what do you think you would be doing? What other kind of interests do you have? Ultimately, I hope if I can make people's lives better, that's my end goal. I don't know how I can do that. I'll try all type of things as long as if I ultimately I can look back and say I've improved people's lives, then I'll be happy. Where do you see yourself in 2020? It's five years from now. What's Alphabot up to? That's a tricky question. You see, because... <laughs> so this comes from life experience, right? So like when I came here, right, they asked me, where well, you see yourself five years? I say, I'll be graduated, I'll have this, 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 right? So, yeah. and then <laughs> that's not what happened. So nowadays I have an idea, you know, that by 2020 Z News will be at a level where I probably won't be at the forefront of it anymore. Probably be doing 
some other things related to, to Z News, but not necessarily like tech related. So moving out of the tech space? Not necessarily moving out because, but you know, as a company grows, you can't just be keep coding. You know what I'm saying? Like as it, yeah. as it goes, you know, and then you have to expose the company. Because if you're looking to cover 54 countries, that's, you know, you have to be out there some way, somehow, just to, to make sure people are or the brand and then, you know, share your experiences and then I guess increase, I don't know, like learn a lot about what other people are doing, improve your own product based on that. I mean, you just have too many things you need to cover. So, well, when you add Togo, and I guess you, I guess with Togo, you kind of have to add Benin as well, because <laughs> they're right there. <laughs> Let me know. I just did the whole like African ancestry DNA thing, and, I, and it's said on my mom's side that I'm descended from. It said Togo slash Benin, so I don't know if it's if it's I guess both countries oh. or not. But since I've learned that, I've started to get more of an interest in in Benin in particular. I mean, I learned about Togo and Benin. I took French from second grade, like all through to the end of college. Oh, wow. So I know enough French to like if I got dropped in, in Paris, <laughs> I could get around. Uh, but it's one of those things where if you're not using it every day, I can read it. Mm-hmm. I can write it. Speaking, eh, I'm okay with it. But I think that this is really important, just like you said, for people that are on the continent that want to know more about work that's going on there, for people that are here in the States that either, you know, have direct descendants, like first generation descendants from people in Africa or just people like like me that just want to know, like, what's going on over there, because we don't hear about it in our regular kind of mainstream media machine. There's so many stories and things that get left out. And usually if it's anything international, particularly from Africa, it's never good. It's never good <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's like, it's Boko Haram, it's ISIS, it's Ebola. Like, it's never... So what's the good stuff that's happening in Africa? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, again, it goes back to that, right? So, like, it's watch the media. Because, again, at the end of the day, each person, like, each storyteller has a goal, right? So what's going to captivate your audience is what they will cover. So... right. For me, just giving people the option, like, here's what's going on. You choose what you, you want to read, whether it interests you or not, but you have a place where you can find it. So just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about Z News Africa online? So about me, I mean, I'm just starting out, I guess, to be more exposed, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're trying to force me now that, you know, I, I'm the type that I just want to be in the background. I really don't want to be on the spotlight. But my chief communicator is telling me that nowadays I need to be out there. <laughs> I need to come out of my But, you know, in terms of, like, finding us, you, you can find us at ZNewsAfrica.com. You can read about us there. That's pretty much where you can find us. In terms of me personally, I mean, on Twitter, I'm at Alphaba. And yeah, you probably find out more about me through Z News than you will find in terms of like personal social sites. All right. Sounds good, man. Alphaba, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, out of your day to talk to me about letting me know about, or really letting you know the audience know about Z News Africa and the work that you're doing and, and the importance of why minorities need to build communities and things for minorities. I think that it tends to get sort of, I don't want to say lost at the shuffle, it tends to get misunderstood as like segregation when we do that. I mean, I certainly have gotten those same types of complaints mm-hmm. with Revision Path. It's like, well, don't, you know, we need to unite 
all designers and things like that. But it's not us doing this is not about segregation. It's about us telling our story because no one else will. So I think that's really important to kind of stress with the work that you're doing. So thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. And thanks for having me and keep up the good work. You know, this is a great thing you're doing. It's motivational. You know, like I said, I've seen so many talented people that I, if it wasn't through you, I would have never known existed. And, you know, to all the people out there doing great work, keep up the great work. And, you know, I'm pretty much available for anybody that wants to reach out or whatnot. I'm pretty flexible in, in those sense. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Alpha Ba and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Alpha and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They've got really great reporting and autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out today at MailChimp.com. Hover, of course, is the best way to buy and manage domain names. They give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code JUNEBUG at checkout. And of course, lastly, there's Creative Market, which is a marketplace that sells really beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com, pick up those six free goods that are available for free every Monday. Of course, today is also the last day for that photography big bundle. And if you see something else you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, This Is My Tape For You, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps get new listeners. I'll even read your review right here on the show. Just helps bump us up in those rankings so more people can find out about Revision Path. Revision Path, of course, is a 318 media project. So if you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit our new home over at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 a month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.